Good morning, it's Thursday, and it is Gale and Company live right here on WKXL. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock on nhtalkradio.com. And happy to welcome back to Kale and Company Live, a New Hampshire State Representative, retired professor, Marine Corps officer, and Celtics fan. That's what it says on the Mike Moffat Facebook page. And Mr. Moffat is with us uh, right now, not to mention a columnist for the uh, Weir's Times. I always look forward to Wednesday because that's when I see it for the first time. Wednesday, Mike. Well, I appreciate that, that Ken. And I had uh, my car service yesterday in Loudoun, and the mechanic came, and he saw my name, and he said, uh, do you write that column for the Weir's Times? And I, I thought, yes. He says, well, I read it every week. So uh, that that's always nice to know that you know some folks are reading what we put out. I, I look forward to it. And uh, I know uh, Dave Long has a column every week in the Hippo, so you guys are kind of like uh, competing. Very different, very different styles. Yeah. Uh, I, mine's more sports sociology and history, and yeah. and Dave's right into the uh, the nitty gritty of the of the current statistics. And um, and uh, of course, Dave's from New York, and has a pugilistic approach at times. <laughs> <laughs> but I I'll only mention them in the same breath because you went to the same school, Plymouth yeah, State. We, yeah, we played basketball together back in the seventies when you were just a kid, Ken, and. Uh, we're in the same uh, same fraternity, and uh, and uh, still uh, write about sports and and talk about sports. And th- there you go. And we'll talk about any number of things. We'll talk a little sports today, but uh, uh, Mike is looking for another term in the uh, New Hampshire Legislature in the House of Representatives. You've probably seen the Mike Moffat signs all around, up and down Route 106, and uh, and and here he is in the flesh and on. Facebook Live on your, on your Facebook page. I have one big sign, one, one big sign. One big one. And I've deployed it right next to a uh, Howard Pearl for state senate. Oh, there you go. And Chris Sununu for uh, governor. Uh, as you, uh, co- uh, Actually, it's only on one side. So there's a Ted Gatz's 4x8 on, you'll see northbound. Right. And then my one big sign, uh, Mike Moffat for state rep, you'll see that southbound on, on busy 106 in Loudoun. It's, it's very busy and... Uh, I know you have a sign near the uh, Loudoun Country Club as well. Yes, uh, I live near Loudoun Country Club, love Loudoun Country Club, um, the people's golf course uh, where I've left uh, hundreds of golf balls over the years. <laughs> There's, are there, they're there now in the water and in the woods. <laughs> but uh, and, and kudos to the Loudoun Country Club. They, they made a nice uh, contribution to the recent uh, state police dare race. Giving some uh, some golf as uh, as raffle prizes for the event, so uh, thanks to them for that. And uh, two of your original legislative beer caucus members are currently running for state senate, and you mentioned uh, Howard Pearl and Tim Lang also uh, running for uh, state senate. You didn't take the plunge. I mean, you're you're running for uh, for the house. Sure, I'm yeah. running for re-election yeah. for uh, my my house seat, which yeah. I uh, very much appreciate the voters sending me to Concord. I have time for it. I love it. Uh, yeah, Tim and Howie. So the Beer Caucus, uh, as you know, uh, Ken, that's an informal group of legislators who socialize and, right. and help each other out. Uh, and Tim and Howard, Tim Lang and Howard Pearl and myself, and a, a fourth guy named Reed Penicity, yeah. kind of the founders of this uh, informal social group, uh, 
uh, it came out of a legislative softball game we had back uh, several years ago. Yeah, so Tim uh, and Howard, both very, very, I think, talented, uh, committed, uh, wonderful uh, legislators, both uh, won their primaries for state senate. Yep. And, uh, of course, I, they're my friends. And, uh, and, and uh, honestly, they both are very, very uh, impressive legislators. They, they get things done, and they're well-respected, and they listen to people, and they talk. Tim's a little hotter. Howard's a little cooler, and, and they complement each other very well. And uh, if, if they both win, they may share an office at the uh, State House. And yeah, under the Golden Dome. Yes, yep. very, very true. So, uh do you have any aspirations for for higher office, Mike, uh, in the in the future? I, I know for you know first things first, you have to win you know this time around, and you'd like to win. Uh, but any aspirations down the road? Well, honestly, uh, I know everybody's asking Tulsi that recently, and I, yeah. I appreciate that occasional question. But honestly, uh, Ken, I would just be very happy to get back into the House. I, I was the committee vice chair this past term on state, federal, and veterans. And I was also on the very busy education committee. And uh, I would love to be back in the mix uh, at at my age. uh, Although, you know, the the president of the United States is pushing 80, so I guess- Yeah, you're still a young man, Mike Boffin. I I won't rule anything out uh, in in terms of the White House, but uh, I wouldn't wouldn't, uh, hold my breath on that, Ken. Well, (laughs) I I don't know. I I think you would have made a a perfect candidate for for Congress, for U.S. Congress, for for the House of Representatives. Uh, in uh, District Two this year, I really do. That's I, very kind, I, and uh, but uh, you need uh, a lot of money for that, and uh, and I'm not great at remembering names. I'd have to practice some mnemonic devices to remember everybody's name. That's a very important skill. And as you get older, uh, you know, you, you, uh, seriously, you, you're not quite as sharp at remembering dates and facts and names, and that, and that matters. Yeah, I guess it does, but uh, you know, you you have a pretty good uh, name recognition. You know, uh, over the years, you're a published author. You know, you've been on the scene for a long time, and uh, you know, have the column every week, the bully pulpit in the Weir's Times. You know, well, so. I I did do very well the last election, yeah. and I did very well in the primaries. If those are indicators, and I'm yeah. hopeful about November eighth. Plus, I'm occasionally on uh, on on the radio. Uh, See, that, like, that, uh, like right here. There, there you go. <laughs> you never know what a radio appearance might lead to. Yes, I got to watch yeah. what I say yeah. because. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I I, I love. Uh, Public policy issues and contemporary yeah. issues, and and I don't mind writing. Uh, I've had many op-eds out there for better or for oh, worse. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, things that I care about, things that I believe in, things that I think need to be said. And uh, not everybody has loved what I've written, uh, but well, uh, that's good. That's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> really, I mean, if well, ever... Al, Al Baldessero was yeah. my chair. Yeah, uh, I just saw him. He had his last day at the state house the other day. We had an interim study session on a couple of bills for state federal. And Al is not shy about, uh, you know, uh, saying what he thinks. And, and, uh, and, and he gave me a little hint. He said, uh, he said hey, publicity is not a bad thing. And, uh, and, but not publicity for the sake of publicity. I, you know, I know if you want to be a, an elected person, you need to get your name out there. Yep. You need to be known, and, and people deserve to know, uh, you know, what you bring to the table, what you think, and what you do for them. And, and I do try, in terms of constituent service, um, I, I honestly try to, I'm assiduous about returning every phone oh, call. Well, that's our word of the day, assiduous. <laughs> Next to <laughs> Lima Charlie, right? right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in returning calls, and, and I've never missed a vote. And, um, 
and I know not. But nobody is ever going to love all of your votes. Uh, of course not. No. So no, no. That's uh, that's part of uh, the the you know the the I guess the challenge of, of being uh, you know in office at any level, correct? And uh, you know not everybody is going to like your vote. Uh, and do you you have uh, much interaction with your constituents in Loudon? Uh, funny you should yeah. mention that, Ken, because today today is. Uh, the 20th, Thursday the 20th, at 4.30 today uh, in Loudoun at the fire station, there will be a candidate forum. Oh. Uh, not, not quite a debate. It's a forum with, with uh, the state rep and the two state Senate candidates for Loudoun. We had a similar one in Canterbury last week, which is very good. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we'll have some, we have had some interaction in Canterbury last week, Loudoun today at 4.30. And, uh, yeah, I get... Uh, messages. There, there are certain activists, so to speak, uh, from both sides who care about legislation, and uh, there's some regulars who are always pinging me with their recommendations on uh, certain bills, and uh, which I which I love. I have time for it. I, I used to teach uh, civics, history, government. Uh, really care. I, I love the history of the state house, and I and plus I love to have a vote and a seat at the table, and yeah. and I have been involved in some successful legislation. Um, which is very rewarding. When, when you can get a bill passed that's going to touch every student in the state for the better, uh, that's a, a wonderful in, in, intrinsic reward, reward of being a legislator, as, as you can sense having been a, uh, a legislator yourself back wi- a while ago. A long ago. time ago, a long time ago, when Craig Benson was governor. But the current century, not before the turn of the century, this century. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mike Moffat is with us, state representative, uh, representing uh, Loudoun and Canterbury. And uh, as Mike said, there's going to be a, a candidate's uh, forum today uh, in Loudoun. What, at 4.30, you said? 4.30 at the, at, the, at, the, at, the big, at the big fire station. At, at the big fire station in Loudoun. So if you have uh, any interest in what's going on in uh, Loudoun specifically and or Canterbury, which Mike also so uh, represents show up today and you'll be able to meet uh, the man himself, Mike Moffat, <laughs> state representative representing Loudoun and Canterbury and a columnist for the Weir's Times. You don't want to miss it. It is must reading uh, every, every week when it uh, comes to your town. We'll take a break. We will continue right after these words. Kale and Company live with Mike Moffat here on WKXL and streaming around the clock and around the world at nhtalkradio.com. Stay with us. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live for this Thursday. Boy, the week has gone by uh, very, very quickly. And uh, yesterday we were talking with uh, Matt Robeson about the Boston Celtics and the and the NBA. And you can... Uh, Hear that show again online at nhtalkradio.com. Today we're with State Representative Michael Moffat representing Loudoun and Canterbury. And we talked about some friends of yours earlier who organized the Legislative Beer Caucus. But another good friend of yours is Brigadier General Don Bolduck, currently running for the U.S. Senate against the incumbent Maggie Hassan. And how do you assess Mike as a veteran of campaigns yourself? Uh, the way that uh, the general's campaign has played out thus far. Well, of course, he ran two years ago. He lost in the primary to Corky Messner. I was uh, actually uh, part of his effort from from day one back in 2020. 
Um, and as a vice chair of state federal veterans, I kind of stepped back a little bit from the primary process this year, but uh, I uh, have great admiration for the general. Uh, Ten combat tours in Afghanistan, uh, that is public service, and that's putting your life on the line. And, uh, you know, he's very authentic. I, I support mo- most of his positions. And uh, I think that his uh, race with uh, incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan is going to be very, very close. And uh, I think I, my prediction is it looks like I, he's going to pull it off uh, on November 8th. And, uh, but we'll, we'll see uh, in two and a half weeks. Well, uh, a couple of uh, years ago, uh, maybe closer to three years ago, you and the general were on a talk talk show that I was doing at another station uh, at the time, and and it led to something uh, rather bizarre, didn't it? Well, it was really, I don't know if I'd say bizarre, but maybe you could. Yeah, and uh, I think this was early 2020. We were on your show, uh, General and I talking about whatever we're talking about. And one of the things that General Bolduc is really known for is is being an advocate for folks with PTSD, or PTS as he calls it. So we talked about that on your show, and somebody uh, heard that. And out of that came an invitation for him and me to go to Texas uh, for a Helicopters for Heroes event, which focuses on veterans with PTSD, or PTS mm-hmm. as the general refers to it. Yeah. And so uh, we flew to, to Texas to the Staubach Ranch. Uh, Is that the Roger Staubach Ranch? I, it, I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking it might be a connection to yeah. Roger Staubach, the yeah. Staubach yeah. Ranch in Ennis, Texas. And uh, he spoke to these veterans there who came from all over the country. But the, the, uh, the highlight of it was going up in helicopters with rifles. Uh, you know, it, it was what it was. I wrote about it. Uh, and shooting uh, rampaging razorbacks in Texas, they have a terrible problem with feral ho- uh, wild pigs, hogs uh, uh, running amok, and so it's a constant open season. And so part of the weekend involved, they had seven helicopters, and uh, you could get on these helicopters and they take off, and you would 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 shoot these rampaging beasts uh, uh, seriously. Yeah, and so uh, uh, and I am not a hunter. Can I wrote about this uh, in a pieces in the Concord Monitor. And I hate flying. And I'm, I know it goes back to some terrible helicopter experiences uh, I had in uh, the Marine Corps, including one with uh, many fatalities in Korea. I, I don't like to fly. Uh, didn't I, Turbulence drives me crazy. So I don't hunt and I don't fly. And then here I am and, and so <laughs> with the general. And so we're, it's time to get on a helicopter. And I, I was going to Bow out. I, I don't hunt. I hate to fly. And the, and the general said, come on. And, and, and he was in a terrible helicopter crash in Afghanistan, but he was fearless. And so to finish the story, uh, we get tied into a Vietnam-era UE, UH-1 helicopter. They hand us AR-15 rifles with three magazines, tied us in on, on, the, uh, on the skids, and up we went. And I will tell you, that that was exhilarating. You know, I suddenly understood the, the lure of the Wild West flying over the Texas countryside uh, on the outside of a helicopter with a rifle in hand, and, and uh, my fear of flying largely dissipated after that, which was part of the in, intent of it, bringing veterans together and going on a mission. And so, uh, and, the, and I said to the general, I said, uh, you know, uh, the optics of this, you know, not, maybe not everybody's going to care for it. And he said, I am who I am, and uh, 
You know, and so and, <laughs> it, and when he spoke to the veterans at the banquet, the, he brought everyone to tears talking about uh, PTS, as he calls it. He doesn't call it a disorder. So uh, that was, yeah, a very memorable experience with a general flying in helicopters, uh, Shooting wild, uh, wild pigs. Razorbacks. Ra- the Razorbacks. Rampaging in Razorbacks yeah. Yeah. in the uh, in the wilds of Texas. Wow! And, and it all came about as a result of you being on one of my radio shows. That's that's they, true. I didn't get the invitation. I must have been <laughs> lost in the mail. They if, didn't send one to me. If you ever get I, a chance to go on a helicopter hog hunt in Texas, uh, can I do uh, it? Yeah. I, I didn't want to go, but I'm glad I did. Yep. There you go. So you never know what might happen as a result of today's show, Mike. Yikes. Yeah, right. Mike Moffat is with us, a state representative. And uh, I, I understand, uh, is it true, Mike, that uh, uh, New Hampshire has uh, quite a, a surplus? I, I heard from a good friend of yours, Tim Lang, uh, that we have quite a surplus uh, in this state. In terms of dollars? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and part of that is a lot of reasons for that, and I think from a partisan perspective, I think a lot of that has to do with with the uh, the budget that that we put into place and the, uh, the the financial policies that that the governor has been uh, supporting. That's part of it. Honestly, there's a lot of COVID money that came from the feds mm-hmm. uh, everywhere, probably yeah. too much everywhere. That's yeah. why you have this terrible inflation. But that's part of it too. Um, so yeah, I. I as I said, I'm on education committee. So at the Canterbury Forum the other night, uh, one of the folks from the other side got up talking about uh, school choice and and money going from public education to uh, you know private education or charter schools or whatever. And I had to correct her, and I said, uh, not a single cent from the general fund, the education general fund, has been diverted to the. We we had such a surplus, ten million dollar surplus. You know, many, many more people wanted to get into the EFA, the Educational Freedom Account School Choice Program, than was anticipated. But uh, I had to set the record straight. Uh, because of the surplus that you touched on, uh, across the board, uh, you know, public education hasn't lost a, a, a single dollar to that. So anyway, yes, uh, we're in very good shape financially uh, in, in New Hampshire. This will be a, a new budget year uh, next year working on a new budget, and it'll be a little bit different. But, uh, yes, th- things are very good. And Tim has been on Ways and Means, and and, and, and Tim is somebody who really understands. Tim Lang, rep- Representative Tim Lang, Senate candidate. Yes, he knows numbers, and uh, he's a great go-to guy for, for this area. Yeah, he knows, he knows where the money is, right? <laughs> and So I see, uh, and I you know haven't read the story yet, but uh, in today's edition of the Concord Monitor, uh, above the fold, it says charter schools get more money. Uh, total number of facilities grows to 30 as the state doles out $46 million in federal funds to charter schools. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, Ken, because that money, that federal money for charter schools was turned down you know, by uh, our Democratic colleagues uh, when they had the majority. So there was all this charter school money from the feds that the— uh, the, the, the Democrats uh, voted against receiving uh, 
Why? Well, if you follow uh, issues in politics and the dynamics, you know, the, the uh, our Democratic colleagues are just locked into supporting the uh, education establishment, the teachers unions, and they, di- they don't like, they don't want the competition from charter schools. Now, I say that as somebody who went to a uh, public school, taught in public schools, was on a public school board. I support public education greatly, but I also believe choice in, in alternatives and competition breeds improvement. So, uh, yeah, front page story in the Monitor today. So this 40-plus million, uh, after the Democrats were defeated in 2020, then, you know, there were new folks in town and we accepted this federal money to uh, send to support uh, charter schools. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's a great alternative, and, uh, and they seem to be growing uh, in the state. Sure, and they have their rules. Uh, there, some charter schools have, have kind of specific missions for certain populations mm-hmm. that they can best serve. And uh, I think that, as I just said, competition is, is good. And it took a long time, to uh, years, to get school choice, uh, move forward, homeschooling and, and school choice. And what's best for the families and what's best for the youngsters? And uh, public schools are critically important. Uh, but I think a fair debate uh, has been going on and should go on uh, with regard to some public school policies. Now, every district is different. Local school boards are different everywhere. But uh, it's, it's important to talk about education issues. And uh, we'll talk more about that and other things coming up. You hear the music. We have to uh, mosey on out of here for a couple of minutes and uh, make some money for the station. Mike Moffat is with us state legislator in the House of Representatives in uh, New Hampshire and uh, seeking another term, representing Loudoun and uh, Canterbury. And uh, Mike will be with us following the break, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about a number of different issues here on WKXL. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And if you missed any part of this program and uh, or would just like to hear it again, and who wouldn't, uh, tune in tonight. Uh, just after 7 o'clock, and we'll play it for you one more time here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Don't you dare touch that dial. We will be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Our guest on uh, today's show is uh, State Representative Michael Moffat, representing Loudoun and Canterbury, running for uh, re-election. Some of us like to call him uh, Groveton Slim, <laughs> a, a, a nickname given to him by Tom Satch Sanders, correct? Yeah, Ken. Uh, we mentioned and, this the last and, time we was on the show, and, since you brought that up. But real, it's worth mentioning again. Real quick. We want the name to stick. Well, Tom yeah, Satch Sanders, number 16 yeah. for the Celtics, played for 13 years. Uh, I went to his uh, basketball camp, uh, actually Don Nelson, number yeah. 19, and Lou D'Alessandro. Uh, Senator Lou D'Alessandro, uh, he and I go way back uh, 50 years. I, you know, he was a, a basketball coach in Hampshire College, now Southern Hampshire University. Yeah. He and was the first, I believe, I, basketball I, coach at New Hampshire College. Yeah, it was New Hampshire College of Accounting and Commerce or something right. like that in the right. late 60s. Yeah. And of course, Lou played uh, football at UNH and then taught at Kennett High School and Bishop Bradley, now Trinity, and then became the uh, basket, men's basketball coach at. New Hampshire College, and uh, he was at the Garden with his team doing a. They, they were playing a preliminary game for the Celtics. He met Tom Sanders. They became friends, and eventually a basketball camp with Nelson Sanders and and Lou D'Alessandro. And 
I'm from Grofton up north, and uh, so it's a my, beautiful town. Yeah, oh, up uh, in the true North Country. Yes, and uh, so my high school coach Fred Bailey uh, got a hold of Lou D'Alessandro and uh, Sat Sanders, Tom Sanders. Yeah, and they had a three day. Uh, clinic up uh, in Grofton, so I get to know Sat. I even played him one-on-one. I, you know, these, he played Satch one-on-one, and I, he was a great defender, too. He, he yeah, was, yeah. And, uh, and so he got, I got to know him, and, and so anyway, to finish the story, uh, my first time ever, uh, I went to the Assaultus game in 1978, Satch was the head, he went to coach at Harvard yeah. after he retired from the Celtics in 73, and then uh, was coaching the Celtics. Uh, he was coaching there, and uh, so I went to a game, my first game, a thrill. You remember your first trip to the Garden, I, what if, I the do. old Boston yeah. Garden. So they were playing the Spurs late in the season. It was Havlicek's last year. Uh, Celtics were not very good that year. So a friend of mine, we went down to just before the game to stand on the hallowed parquet floor, and then we sat down at the scorer's table, the, the press table, right next to the Celtics bench, waiting for somebody to kick us out. Yeah. And nobody ever did. Nobody ever kicked you out. They, so, they didn't care at that point. Right. <laughs> uh, I think Jeff Cohen may, may have been the, the guy who was doing uh, media or or uh, How, Howie McHugh. I'm trying to remember. these. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Celtics are playing. So at halftime, the Celtics are walking to the locker room, and Satch sees me. Uh, sitting at the scores table uh, at the Celtics game, he does a double take. He says, Grofton Slim, what are you doing here? Yeah. Are you, are you, you're, you're still shooting that hook shot? Yeah. And, uh, and my friend, uh, his mouth dropped. You know, the Celtics coach uh, stops to acknowledge me at halftime going into the lot. So Grofton Slim, that's, uh, I, he probably couldn't remember my name, and but he remembered that we'd played basketball in Grofton. So Grofton Slim, yep. There you go, Tom Satch Sanders, and uh, you know I know he and Lou still go to uh, Celtics games and sit together. I, I've seen them there, and that, they have pretty good seats too, a lot better than I have. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, that that is a name that has stuck over the years, and we we try to if it hasn't stuck, we try to <laughs> rejuvenate it here on on Kale and Company. I've been called worse things than Grofton Slim. Grofton so Slim's we, a we great can, nickname. We can run with that one, yeah. You know, I remember you know Satch Sanders. Uh, you know, I, I saw him play many times in in person, uh, being a little bit older than you are, Mister Moffat. Uh, but one thing I remember about Satch, not only he was known for his defense, that's primarily what he was known for was his defensive skills. But he had he was one of the last people, I think, in the NBA to take set shots, like sure. two-handed set shots. And uh, that I, that's the picture I always have in my head of Satch Sanders shooting a set shot. So when I was playing basketball, very you know, I was very mediocre at best. But I, I, I would take those, a few of those two-handed set shots, you know, uh, in honor of Satch Sanders. <laughs> well, as opposed to a jump shot, uh, you know, a set shot, for those of you who aren't basketball players, it's not a jump shot. You're, you're, you're set in place, <laughs> right. and you can shoot from uh, your chest or, or from down low. Uh, typically, you're not being closely guarded, obviously, if you're shooting, shooting a set shot, usually from a great distance. So the three-point shot was before your t- after your time, Ken. You never. It, it was after my time. I never. I never played uh, with the three-point line. No. <laughs> so, uh, Chris Ford, who act, uh, Celtic player, who, who made the first first one, right? First yeah. three-point shot yeah. in NBA history, in 1979. Uh, his shots from three-point land were kind of set shots, and uh, where you didn't jump. Uh, 
Minute Bull, the seven foot seven yes. player. Yeah. Uh, he played for Don Nelson. Speaking of number nineteen with the Celtics, Don Nelson and uh, Minute uh, took uh, famously. The, Don Nelson had him taking uh, three point set shots. A seven foot seven guy. Yeah. And he actually made a few of those. That was a, a thing. If he could get Minute to make those. Uh, Twenty-five foot set shots from the top of the beyond the top of the key that would pull the opposing center out from the basket, and uh, that, I'm not sure how well that worked in the long run, but uh, shows Don Nelson was not afraid to uh, try something new. You know, my biggest memory of Manute Bowl was not when he was in the NBA, but when he played one year at the University of Bridgeport. Right. And uh, I was doing some announcing at that time for, I, I think it was uh, Southern New Hampshire University by that time, but either either one, New Hampshire College or Southern University. And he came into the field house one Friday night playing for the University of Bridgeport, and people were hanging from the rafters for that game at, uh, at the field house. To see this seven-foot-seven player from Africa, from Kenya, I think, or, or Eastern Africa, uh, who supposedly killed a lion once as a kid. With his bare hands, right? I heard he used a spear to <laughs> oh, kill, he did? kill okay. the lion. Okay, but uh, <laughs> that's probably more accurate. Seven foot seven. I, I guess they got him a like a Range Rover, a big truck, and they took out the front seat, and he drive it from the back seat. You know, oh. you know, I, I'm wow. six, almost six four, and I I don't like flying, and, and I have trouble fitting into seats at Fenway. But <laughs> to be seven foot seven must must be. Uh, I, I can't imagine, but. Uh, at any rate, I'm sure they were well over the uh, the limit in, in capacity. The, the, I think they broke some fire laws that night at uh, Southern New Hampshire University. Uh, but Manute Bowl came in for that uh, that one game uh, when he played for the University of Bridgeport and packed the place. Who who won? Bridgeport did. Okay. Yeah, they did. In fact, I think they were kind of a juggernaut that year with uh, Manute Bowl. I mean, obviously, head and shoulders above. Uh, the rest of the players in that league and, uh, you know, mostly everywhere, head, head and shoulders above uh, his opposition. But uh, he really took advantage. I think he had he had well over 40 points that night, I think, well over 40. And uh, so that was it. That was my one, uh, my big remembrance of Manute Ball. Of course, I saw him play in the NBA, but that one stood out, the way he packed the place that night. It was like the night that John Smoltz uh, pitched a rehab game for the Portland Sea Dogs, at uh, I forget what it was at the at that time, but it was the first year that the Fisher Cats in 2005 uh, played in the stadium they're now at, which is Delta Dental Stadium now. It was something else uh, back then, but that night was the record breaker for attendance, one game attendance at that stadium when John Smoltz pitched a rehab game for the Portland Sea Dogs. Sure, yep. and, and now he's in the broadcast booth. Doing baseball, and in the Hall of Fame. Yep, a uh, great pitcher with the Braves, uh, and the Braves had such a great uh, pitching staff. Um, speaking of the weirdest times, uh, and I didn't my column next week, which I just sent in, yeah. has to do with the San Diego Padres. So, ah, okay. So the Padres, who uh, I guess they knocked off the Mets, knocked off the Dodgers. They're playing the Phillies. I, I, I think they beat the Phillies yesterday. They did. They came from behind and beat the Phillies. I think it was 8-5 to five the final last night. Yeah. So yeah. I've been to many, many – with the Marine Corps, I was stationed out at Camp Pendleton and the MCRD San Diego. been to many, many, many Padres games. So uh, have a very uh, – 
you know, rooting interest in the Padres. Very different baseball culture in San Diego, or the sports culture in San Diego yeah. is much more laid back than New England. I always um, felt bad, uh, you know, for the sports fans in San Diego who lost their football team, the Chargers, to Los Angeles. I, I still think of them as the San Diego Chargers. Yep. Uh, but uh, they lost the team to Los Angeles, and they and they supported that team through thick and thin. I mean, the fans in San Diego did. Oh, they sure did. Yeah. It was heartbreaking for them to lose their NFL team. They also lost a couple. They lost several NBA teams. The Rockets. Yeah, yeah. The Rockets started in San yeah. Diego. The Clippers were in San Diego. Clippers were the Buffalo Braves. Uh, yeah. In, Wasn't there a team at one time, the Conquistadors? Yeah, Will Chamberlain was involved with that team. Come on. Yes. Uh, do we have any more time uh, after uh, well, the break? We'll, well, yes, we do. Okay. And we'll talk about the San Diego Conquistadors. I don't know how I remember that, but uh, I, I remember uh, that was what, what, what league was that in? Was that the, the NBA? A- ABA. ABA. That was the ABA. Okay. Yeah. The conquistadors. I like the way it sounds. They should use it again. They, they called them the Qs. The Qs. The conquistadors. Yeah, there you go. Very the politically conquistadors. Yes. <laughs> we will take a break. Mike Moffat is here. You can blame it on him. Uh, it is uh, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Don't you dare touch that dial. Some San Diego conquistador history coming up right here. So keep it right where it is at WKXL. Welcome back. Kale and Company live. Heading down the home stretch for this Thursday. Mike Moffat is here, state representative, representing Loudoun and Canterbury, two wonderful communities. And uh, there's going to be a, a get-together tonight of, of candidates at the big fire station in Loudoun, right? That's correct. As, se- as opposed to the little one. Well, it's the uh, the one that's in Loudoun Village. Oh, okay. Uh, the, yep. the, the larger one, yep, at 430. You, you can see a picture of Mike uh, uh, in Loudoun, too, uh, oh, oh, in the, your marine regalia. The town... It, uh, as many towns do, including Concord, they have uh, hometown hero banners, yeah. Yeah. and, and uh, the town picked a, a utility pole to hang mine up, yeah. uh, which I appreciate very much. And uh, it's yeah, I, I love those. I, you can see they're great. I, I I do too. Yeah, yeah. A, a friend of mine, uh, her dad has a, uh, a picture up uh, of him at uh, in Groveton. and uh, so you know it, it's uh, it's a very you know the Relatives are very proud to see, you know, uh, you know their father or uncle or brother or or sister in some cases or aunt. Uh, you know, Loudon had one last year yeah. uh, when they started putting these up of a hundred and four year old woman who is a uh, World War Two and she was still alive. She's since passed away, but uh, to see uh, these names and faces of, uh, yeah. of veterans and uh, I'm in all humility. I I just you know proud to that. You know, there's something, a photo of me that, that they put up uh, on a utility pole. And, and uh, if you see that uh, particular utility pole, uh, just about as you're to, to take a left onto Route 106, <laughs> there's a great Halloween display there, too. The house that's right there has a great Halloween display right next to the Mike Moffat uh, utility pole. Yeah, in, very, uh, very, if there's any ghosts or spirits, uh, it's very coincidental. Uh, <laughs> so we uh, we left you hanging about the uh, conquistadors uh, of San Diego, uh, an ABA team at one time, and, and Wilt was involved, Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, 1973 uh, was Wilt's last year in the NBA, Wilt Chamberlain, and uh, he went to uh, 
uh, signed with the San Diego Conquistadors, I believe, as a to be a player coach. It didn't, never quite happened that way. But Conquistadors, uh, we, we were talking during the break, uh, very politically incorrect nickname. Talk about a you know the Conquistadors. If you don't know, they were Spanish conquerors. Uh, they were invaders, really. Uh, brave fighters uh, who uh, took the land of the indigenous peoples. And uh, I am sure that the Conquistador nickname would not have endured today had the, had the team not folded. Not, uh, not politically correct at all. But, uh, uh, but, but real quick, back to San Diego, I made another one. As a hockey guy, Ken, of course, the, uh, all San Diego has now are the Padres who are trying to get into the World Series. The Chargers have left, the Rockets, the Conquistadors, the yeah. – uh, the Clippers all left, but uh, and they never had an NHL team. I know you're a hockey guy, but the San Diego Gulls yes. were in the yeah. ECSL. Now the ECSL is a minor league hockey uh, uh, loop. Yeah. The Eastern Co- or East Coast uh, ECHL. Yeah. ECHL. Yeah. East Coast. Monarchs used to be in the ECHL for the last uh, four years of their existence. Yeah. So, so I ask you, Ken Kale, as a hockey expert and a longtime mon- Monarch uh, announcer or radio guy, how does a team from San Diego get in the East Coast Hockey League? I mean, it, it, it is bizarre, but they that's where they were. And there are still teams in the ECHL today that are, are out west, like uh, Utah. Utah Grizzlies are still... Uh, in the ECHL, I I don't know. I really don't. That's why they they just say they say the letters uh, ECHL. They never say East Coast Hockey League. Right, right, right. They say ECHL. So you have to figure out what it means. It's like KFC. Uh, but it, yeah. but it's it's like you know uh, when the the Monarchs uh, were in town, uh, they were affiliated with the Los Angeles Kings, and uh, of course there was a Western movement in the American Hockey League to have their affiliates closer, and that's how the Monarchs wound up in Ontario, California, uh, not too far from Los Angeles. And uh, the Worcester Sharks were the affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. The Portland Pirates were the affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks, and they all moved west in the same year, and that's how Portland, uh, Manchester, and Worcester all lost their American Hockey League franchises. Well, and the monarchs are gone now, but can you go way back? And when the monarchs came in first, the first few years in Manchester, what a what a great minor league uh, AHL! And oh, it was it was what a, crowds they got and and nine ten who just uh, yeah, first first four years it was uh, pretty difficult to get a ticket to, amazing, s- to yeah. see the monarchs for the first four years of their existence, and uh, you know it was a great product uh, and. You know, people ask me all the time. The number one question I get is: Manchester ever going to get another hockey team, another professional hockey team? And uh, folks, I'm I'm really not in the loop. I, you know, once in a while you hear a rumor that somebody might be starting a group to try and bring back a team to to Manchester. I'll tell you, Mike, if they put the SNHU Arena back into the AHL today. It would still be one of the better buildings in the league. Sure. And, uh, you know, I think after an absence of a few years now of professional hockey in Manchester, that energy would, would come back. And I, I think the, you know, people in this area would uh, support it tremendously. Now, maybe not to the level it was 
when when the monarchs uh, came to town in in 2001 2002 uh, but I, I think you'd see some very good crowds at the uh, SNHU arena if the city were to get another uh, especially AHL team a top right. affiliate I, I think the transition from the top affiliate to a secondary affiliate certainly hurt there's no doubt about that the perception that it wasn't Quite the same level, correct? Uh, fair or unfair? Yeah, or? and and I guarantee, and I put myself into this category as well, uh, that ninety nine percent of people, if you put uh, a, a video of an ECHL game alongside a video of an AHL game, very few people would be able to tell the difference. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I, it's all perception. I think uh, there will be. A pro hockey team come back to Manchester inevitably someday. I don't think it's going to happen soon, but I'm sure that someday there will be pro hockey again at uh, at that arena. Uh, well, I hope so because you hate to see it uh, an arena of that caliber, and they have kept it up over the years. I mean, it looks pristine to this day. Uh, they've kept it up so well, and it's over 20 years old now. Uh, but they've done a great job in in uh, in preserving it and making the arena it is. Tim Beckert has done a great job since day one there, and uh, it is still as uh, as bright and shiny as it was when it opened 20 years ago. But while you're still here, and we're running out of time here, Mike, you've been in the legislature now, involved mostly in uh, educational uh, bills and and that sort of thing. What what has been in your in your mind your number one achievement as a state representative? Well, I got a couple of bills passed and finally signed into law this past year. Uh, one requires every high school graduate in New Hampshire to pass the 128-question uh, naturalization test. So that's fundamentals, and uh, and I, it was not easy to get that through. The governor signed it finally. Uh, and I'm very proud of that. And I think it's going to be very popular. Uh, schools all over the, the state are uh, prepping for it. And I think that once students take it, they'll recommend everybody that follows them also take it. I also got a bill passed uh, to uh, shine a light on gifted students. New Hampshire was somewhere around 50th in the country in terms of identifying and supporting gifted students. Uh, the folks on the other side are at a more egalitarian bent. And I thought that uh, we needed to do better in terms of that population. And so uh, a measure supporting uh, raising awareness and re- requiring reports from districts on what they do to identify and support gifted students is now law. And I'm very proud of that as well. Uh, unified Sports Bill I originally put in, and I was unelected. And Tim Lang, again, uh, uh, took that over. And we got that to the finish line this year. Uh, the, the governor signed it on the football field in Laconia Unified Sports involving uh, special uh, Olympics-type folks with, uh, you know, uh, bringing everybody together in the same team, Unified Sports. Mm-hmm. That's another bill I'm proud of. And, ma- and I've co-sponsored many of the things that I feel uh, very good about. And that's the reward for me of being in the legislature is helping to make things happen that make a difference, uh, I think, for the better. And uh, it makes that uh, low salary uh, uh, worth it. And yeah, uh, but it does. It does make it all worthwhile, and uh, you put a lot of work into it for the uh, for the money that you do get. But uh, none of you are doing it for the money, uh, obviously, which is a hundred dollars a year. Uh, but if reelected, what do you hope to do in the next uh, legislative session? Well, I have some bills in the hopper. Uh, LSR's legislative service requests on uh, several that are education related. Uh, 
But we need to see if I get reelected on November 8th. If I don't, then uh, maybe Tim Lang can take him over again. And uh, Tim, Tim, as you know, got the uh, sports betting measure through. Yes, uh, he am- did. Yep. Ama- he was in the minority at the time. Amazing job getting that through, which has made million, many millions of dollars for uh, education and uh, other causes as well, including some betters have uh, have, have profited from that. Some have, yes. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily put myself in that category, but some have. Right. Yeah, but I, I continue to play, but very modestly. Mike Moffat, always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, the time always flies by when you're here. Time flies when you're having fun, but uh, Mike Moffat, he is running for re-election, representing Loudoun and Canterbury, and you can uh, see him tonight at the big fire station, 4.30. 4.30. Thanks so much, Ken. All right. Mike Moffat, you can read his column every week in the Weir's Times. That'll do it for us. If you missed it, tune in again right after 7 o'clock tonight. Kale & Company Live, WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. Have a great Wednesday. Mel, make it Thursday. Have a great Thursday, everybody. (laughs) See, time flies, doesn't it? Thank you.